Today on Calm Talk for Chthuluary, we are discussing Howard Lovecraft. Rogue signal intercepted. Signal designation. Bees, views, and reviews. Signal host. Branson Boykin, initiating Calm Talk. Hey guys, welcome to Bees, Views, and Reviews, the podcast that promotes faith-based, family-friendly comics and the creators that make them. Brought to you by Geek Devotions, a show by devoted geeks devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm B, and today we're participating in Chthuluary by discussing the kid-friendly graphic novel Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom. Now, before we dive into this, um, this book, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm not a horror fan. Okay. I I don't enjoy scary movies. Halloween's not my favorite holiday. I don't enjoy all the scream slasher Friday, the 13th, whatever. That's just not my thing. Never been into it. Um, my wife is very easily bothered by disfigured faces. Um, I'm sensitive to occult imagery. I I just get the heebie jeebies around things like that. And I don't normally like to give my kids nightmare fuel. So I tend to avoid the horror genre as a, as a general rule. But I also realize that there are people out there who are actually very into it. They enjoy it. They enjoy tense moments in a movie. They enjoy things that make them scared. So when I first heard that uh, Cthulhu area was going on, I at first thought, well, this probably isn't something I'm going to be able to participate in, but I just did a search. I was like, you know what? Let me just see if there's something out there. And I stumbled across this graphic novel. So, As I go through and read this, um, I just want you to understand this isn't necessarily something that's going to be sitting on my own personal bookshelf. Uh, It's not something that I would buy, but the reason I wouldn't buy it is because I'm just not a fan of the genre. But for those of you who are a fan of the genre, I still want to take some time to look at it because there are things about this book specifically that I think are enjoyable, that I think for people who do enjoy horror as a genre, there's a lot to appreciate in this. And so I want to take some time to point it out. And, you know, and if you're a parent listening to this and you have kids who are into the horror genre, but you want something that is a little more wholesome than what Hollywood's putting out there right now, then this is a good book to look into. And so I want to take some time to focus on that. So with that disclaimer put in, let's get into it. So, Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom centers around a little boy named Howard Lovecraft. He goes with his mother to visit his father in an insane asylum on Christmas Eve. While he's visiting there, Howard's father warns him of a book filled with forbidden knowledge and begs Howard to destroy the book. There's a really interesting scene where uh, the father is like holding onto his hand and basically begging him, please destroy this book. I wrote it. I never should have written it. Destroy this book. Well, obviously Howard's a little shaken. He doesn't like to see his father crazy. They go home and in an attempt to comfort Howard, his mother gives him his father's book, not knowing that his father had begged him to destroy it. And Howard, being the good, obedient picture of how a kid should be, he, instead of destroying the book, reads from it. And wouldn't you know it, one of the things he reads is an incantation that teleports him to a magical world filled with ice. Now, for those of you who feel like you've heard this before, no, this is not Narnia. We don't go to see the witch Jadis, and there's no lion named Aslan. But Howard does find himself in a magical kingdom completely frozen over in ice. 
And while he's wandering around in this frozen kingdom, he makes both enemies and allies and has a lot of interesting adventures. And by the end of the book, he gets teleported back to his world, back to his home, where he's safe and sound, but ready for yet another adventure. So like I said before, I'm not a big horror fan. Um, But if I were to get into horror, if I decided that, you know what, I actively want to pursue horror as a genre, this is the kind of horror that I would be into, what's represented in this book. What makes the story scary isn't, like I mentioned before, disfigured faces or slasher killers or gotcha moments where someone jumps out and goes, boo! It's the atmosphere that the story creates. You don't know that you're in a scary scene until you're right in the middle of the scary scene. And even then, it's not a, aha, gotcha moment. It's just this sense, this feel, you feel bothered by a sense of things. There are strange lights in the room, or there's eerie shadows, or the way people are talking seems a little bit off. It's it's just a sense of it more than an obvious threat. Like there's not insane killers with chainsaws chasing after you. It's a very, very subtle horror. And I mean, it, it still was scary in some points, but it was just a different kind of scary. And honestly, it was a scary, a scary that I felt like I could process and deal with a little bit better. It reminded me a lot of reading Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And those of you who have read Frankenstein, you kind of know what I'm talking about. The scariness of that story wasn't the monster. It wasn't, oh no, the monster's going to get me. It was the obsession that Frankenstein had with creating uh, life, with with creating uh, artificial life, and how that drove him mad and the things it drove him to do to the point that Frankenstein's monster wasn't the scariest part of the book. It was the obsession that Frankenstein had. And this book had a very, very similar feel. It wasn't the monsters themselves that made it scary. It was the idea of what would happen if someone were to pursue that forbidden knowledge, if someone were to pursue the the things that human beings are not supposed to know. And so that's what gave it this, this, this horror feel. And, and like I said, if I were to get into the horror genre, that is more in line of with what I would do. Uh, so, you know, I don't have to worry about slashers or whatever. In this book, there are two main characters, obviously the little boy named Howard. And uh, he also has a creature, a tentacled creature that he affectionately names Spot. Howard, what makes him interesting is that he has a little bit of a mischievous streak in him that reminded me of Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> Excuse me, I said that Dexter's Laboratory. I'm used to talking like Dexter, Dexter's Laboratory. I, yes. Okay, sorry. Random accent uh, rabbit trail there. In any event, the thing I remember about Dexter is that he's always a little off. And if he truly had a dark heart, he could be a lot of trouble. Like he could be some kind of villain. But his good-natured will keeps getting in the way of that. Dexter can't help himself. As much as he loves being the mad scientist, at the end of the day, he's just a good guy. So he can't really go all out creepy. Howard's the same way. He's fascinated by things he shouldn't know about. You know, he he gets the book and he wants to read the book instead of destroy it. But once he's in this magical kingdom, he's not further obsessed with learning more. He's like, okay, well, I'm here. I'm going to help people. You know, I've got this whole kingdom that's frozen over and they're trapped behind this wall of ice and I'm going to help them. So it would, it had kind of a, 
mischievous streak, but still a good natured feel uh, for Howard that, 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 that I appreciated spot is also interesting. Like I said, he's a tentacled creature. He, um, he looks like man thing. For those of you who are Marvel comics fans, you, you may remember man thing spot looks a lot like man thing. Um, he has this seeming annoyance with Howard. Like he, he he's annoyed by the guy all the time, but it has this brotherly annoyance of it. It, you can tell that there's a deep, genuine care for him, especially in events towards the end of the book that I won't spoil for you here, but, but there's this genuine appreciation for Howard and love for Howard. It's almost like he, you know, you, you have those stories where the older brother says, my kid brother is the most annoying person on the planet, but only I get to say that. If you say it, I'll knock your teeth in. That seems to be the kind of relationship that Spot has with Howard. They they get on each other's nerves. They annoy each other. Howard is overly bossy. And Spot just doesn't want to deal with it. But at the end of the day, he cares about Howard. He appreciates Howard. And he does what he can to protect Howard. And there's something very endearing in that, I think. All right, guys. We're going to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the artwork of Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom and where you could potentially get your own copy. We'll be right back. In a world where live-action movies reign supreme, two awesome dudes are keeping things animated. If you want to hear a couple of animation nerds gush about the movies they love, then hop, run, or fly on over to The Cellcast. Available on most podcast platforms. Welcome back to Bees Views and Reviews, where we are taking a look at Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom participating in this month's theme of Cthulhuary. Now, before the break, I was talking about some of the, the plot points and things that made it uh, interesting. This story does not have a direct connection to faith. I don't think it was written to be a flat-out Christian story. There are some themes about self-sacrifice, about doing what is the best uh, for others and not what's best for yourself. Uh, There are some themes in there that I think are are good talking points. If you want to talk to your kids about some moral issues, uh, they are there. It is not. I would not call this a faith-based book. Though there, there's not a direct correlation to the gospel or anything like that, um, but as far as family friendly, I think it's absolutely family friendly, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, the artwork it reminded me a lot of Tim Burton's animation, like the vein of of Nightmare Before Christmas or uh, Corpse Bride or Coraline that that type of thing. That the color palettes were a whole lot of pale whites combined with browns and then one bright color. Uh, in this example, it was usually a red-orange for fire. But it was a very simplified palette. The, the The skin tone was usually a very, very pale white. Everyone looked like they might be corpses themselves. Um, like I said, not a lot of color except for fire. Uh, the buildings always stood at weird angles. Like You would look at these pictures of buildings and think, if that existed in real life, it would just fall over. Um, Body shapes weren't exactly right. Like they worked for the art style, but 
heads were oversized, limbs were too thin. It just, it all looked just a little bit off, which reminded me a lot of Tim Burton's animation style. So if you're a fan of Tim Burton films, you would actually very much appreciate the look of this book. Um, the other thing about this art, the artwork of this book that I liked was the use of watercolor. Now the, the time frame of the story, it has a very Victorian feel. Uh, you know, Howard dresses in a, a, you know, a jacket and a little bow tie. His mother's wearing a long flowing, elegant gown. Um, you know, that they, they get around by gaslit streets and things like that. So it has a very Victorian feel to it. And the coloring looks watercolor painted. It looks like the pages were painted in, in, in watercolor instead of your traditional uh, digital coloring. So as a result, the pages had texture to them. There wasn't this clean, sleek line. You know, the, the, the line work and the inking wasn't this perfect, you know, Adobe Photoshopped line with clean lines and perfect gradients and special effects and star bursts and things like that. It was painted in this watercolor atmosphere and the line work was a little bit sloppy. And I think that was intentional because it, it ages the book that gives it this old world Victorian feel. I, I get this image of this slightly crazed guy with a long unkept beard painting feverishly over pages in the basement by candlelight which is makes sense because that kind of matches the tone of the story, but it really invokes the mood that the story tries to convey. So the, 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 the writer and the storyteller use the art style as a medium to kind of convey the mood that they want you to have. This isn't a heroic book. This isn't something where a guy's going to rip off his shirt, have a symbol of power underneath and go save the day. This isn't, uh, you know, some kind of futuristic sci-fi thing where the lines are sleek and glossy. It's very dirty. It's very muddy. It's very, you know, hidden in shadows and lighting candles so you can read in the dark of night. It, it's, it has that atmosphere in it, even in the artwork. And, uh, and, and, I, and I appreciated that. I appreciated what they were able to achieve by using that kind of an art style. So that was, that was really special. The age-old question of, is it family-friendly? Now, like I said before, I'm not a horror fan, okay? I don't enjoy stories that are intended to scare you. I tend to avoid them. I don't buy them for my kids because I don't want them to have nightmares. That being said, when I look at just the sheer content, not whether or not I like the genre, but what is in it, there's no nudity, there's no swearing, there's no blood. Any violence that might occur in the story was implied. It was never actually shown. Um, some of the faces could be considered scary because, again, there are monsters in this story. But it was scary in the same way that Wicked Witch of the West was scary in The Wizard of Oz. Okay, if, if, if flying monkeys and a lady with a green face and a pointed black hat don't give you nightmares, neither is this book going to give you nightmares. Now, as always, parents, this is up to you. You know your children. Uh, if they are prone to be afraid of, of, of faces that don't look quite right, if Nightmare Before Christmas gave them nightmares or whatever, this might not be for you. But for by and large, for the most part, 
I don't think this is something that would scare people. So if you have people in your family that are interested in horror films and horror stories, this is one of the cleanest things you could get your hands on and still be within the genre. Uh, it's it Like I said, it has a very Tim Burton feel. It is, definitely fits within the horror genre, but it's not bloody. It's not gratuitous. It's not grotesque. It's just, it's just weird. And uh, so if you want something for your kids that fits that vein, but isn't something that's going to make them need counseling later, I would recommend this book. And that's a recommendation coming from a guy who doesn't even like horror. So take that however you will, but that's kind of where I fall on that. So as I said before, definitely not faith-based, but depending on the family and what the family is interested in, I would call this family-friendly. Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom is written by Bruce Brown with art by Renzo Podesta and is published by Arcana Comics. You can get your copy at your local comic book store or at arcanacomics.com. For those of you who use Hoopla, it's available on Hoopla along with other stories uh, following Howard Lovecraft's adventures. That's how I read this story. So you can download it there. But that, all in all, is our review of Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow Geek Devotions on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards. Also be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast catchers and leave reviews. We love to hear feedback. Hope you guys have a great day. Happy Chithuluary. And until we talk next time, stay devoted. Peace and love.